Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. Hey everyone. In this episode, we are going to take a deep dive into AAP classifications. And when you take your periodontal courses, you'll get right deep into this stuff. And really, this is the heartbeat of what it is to be a dental hygienist. And the hygienist plays a key role at helping to walk a patient down the process through the assessment and to accurately classify our patients. So you really need to get to know AAP classification really well. I'm really hoping that I can give you a broad understanding of AAP classification so that you can confidently go into the clinical setting and know exactly how to classify your patients. Now, what is AAP classification? It's a system that's used to help diagnose our patients and put them into different categories based on how they present and what their disease level is, or maybe they're healthy, right? So the AAP classification puts patients into different categories based on the results of the assessment process. And what I really love about this updated classification system was that The last system came out in 1999, so it was definitely, we definitely needed an upgrade. So much research had come out since 1999 that really showed a lot of connection between systemic health and periodontal health. And none of the ways that we were classifying periodontal disease before this new classification systems were really articulating those correlations. So I really love the new classification system. The other thing that was nice in the design of this new system is that it really keeps everything open so that as new research comes out, we can plug in some of that new research into the new updated classification system so that it really helps us manage our patients correctly. In this episode, we'll take a deep dive into what the classification system is, how we accurately classify our patients, and what we do with our patients once we get them classified. What does it actually mean once we put them into a category on how we prepare a comprehensive treatment plan and what those phases of the treatment plans look like, what our action steps are, what our roles are, and how we manage those patients and what we communicate with our patients about. That's what we'll talk about. Are you looking for study sheets? I've created study sheets that cover the content of this episode. If you're interested or that's something that's going to help you on your learning journey, you can click the link listed right in the description of these show notes. Happy studying. Before we even get into the different categories and groups of how we uh, categorize our patients once we make a determination of the results of their assessment, I just want to share one of the things that I truly love about this new classification system. As a practicing hygienist, I would see many, many patients all at different levels of periodontal health. And if you had 
10 patients and they presented with the same perio chart, the same radiographs, the same amount of calculus, the same home care habits, the same amount of biofilm. And you treated all 10 of those patients, just for example, the same exact treatment plan. You put them all through phase one therapy. What's so remarkable is that all 10 of them will have different results. And what I like about this new classification system is that it helps us articulate those results and track those results over time. Whereas the old classification system really didn't do that. So we would be left having to describe those things in our clinical notes ourselves without really having something concrete to go by so that any hygienist or dentist could read our notes and know exactly how that patient presented that day. We had to use descriptive words and gingival assessment words in order to really articulate the results of our phase one therapy. So what I love about this new classification system is that once a patient has been determined that they have periodontal disease and we put them in the stage. They they always stay in that stage or get worse. They don't actually get better. But the grading that's involved with those patients, they can go from B to A, or maybe they go from B to C. So it shows very concretely in our notes that they can either improve over time or things can become more severe over time, even though they're in the same stage. So that's what I, that's like my favorite part of this classification is that another clinician can sit down, read my notes, and they can see the progression over time. And they can also see the grading over time, which lets us know the rate of progression, right? It helps us really see the staging shows us the severity of the disease as that patient presents to us and also the complexity, uh, the challenges that we're going to have to meet those needs that the patient has for us to stabilize or put that periodontal disease into remission. And then the grading really helps us think about those biological factors and take that those biological factors and the other contributing factors that we used to know about and talk about, but now we can actually articulate in the notes and talk about the rate of progression and add that with the risk assessment to come up with an actual grade for that patient on where they are with maintaining their periodontal health. So the other thing I really like about the AAP classification is now they actually have a category for healthy people, periodontal health and gingival health. So these are the patients that have gingival health, there's no attachment loss, there's no bleeding, there's no loss of structures, there's no inflammation, the tissue is tight, firm, and pink. You know that beautiful picture of health that we aspire to have. I'm not even in that category, but you know what I'm talking about. At least now we have a category for that. And what's really cool is that in the classification system, we have patients who have periodontal disease that can still fall into this area. So they might have periodontal health with a reduced periodontium. So they have clinical attachment loss, but they have a healthy periodontium. These are patients that have periodontal disease that is in remission. I love that. I love that because we see some patients go through phase one therapy, they've lost some attachment, and now their tissue looks fantastic. Now we have a category for those patients, and it just really helps things stay neat clean and organized and really opens up the communication process between providers. So we always start with gingivitis, right? So gingivitis we know is a precursor to periodontitis. 
and it's graded on the extent and severity. So if you have slight inflammation or gingivitis in just a few areas of the mouth, so maybe less than 10% uh, bleeding on probing sites, and we know that there's a plaque score that we can use to really help us really use some numbers to identify the contributing factors to gingivitis. We can put our patients in this gingivitis case and we can treat it as localized or generalized case to help put that patient back into a healthy state because we know there's no attachment loss, but there's bleeding on probing. And so we know that there's probing depths that are giving us problems, that there's bleeding going on and that there is inflammation. And so we want to get things back into a healthy state. So the two types of gingivitis, we have biofilm-induced gingivitis and non-biofilm-induced gingivitis. And when there's an incipient case, there's less than 10% of the sites have bleeding on probing. And like I said, it's really helpful to use a plaque score. And in our school, we use the PHP. Which localized gingivitis would be 10 to 30% of the mouth. And then generalized gingivitis, you would have 30% or more of the mouth. And remember, this is reversible, preventable, and treatable, but more important, it is a precursor to periodontitis. So the treatment plan we would put together for somebody who presents with gingivitis is to remove the local irritating contributing factors and provide a huge amount of education. We wanna change the at-home behaviors for these patients. We wanna increase that patient's motivation to really help improve their gingival health. So the recommendations that we provide our patients and the education that we give them in this stage is vital. So much more important than I think we even realize. Now we know, the research indicates, that if a patient has gingivitis that's left untreated, that is a precursor to periodontal disease. So in the new classification system, periodontal disease is classified in three forms. We have periodontitis, which is possibly connected to systemic factors, and it needs a comprehensive diagnosis, meaning you need a comprehensive periodontal evaluation, gingival assessment, and radiographs so that you can determine the extent of bone loss if you see some. Then there's necrotizing periodontitis, which is associated with severe impairment of the host's immune system. We are finally taking our classification system and we're connecting it to systemic issues. Then we have periodontal disease as a manifestation of systemic conditions. And we know this is multifactorial. There's the level of complexity of risk. And this has a major impact on the level of periodontal disease. We know that the health of the mouth tells us all kinds of things. And so when you have a patient who presents with inflammatory diseases, diabetes, obesity, they're smokers, they have autoimmune disorders, genetic disorders, these patients are more prone to periodontal infection. And so now we see that there's not only a connection between these, because the research and evidence tells us, now we actually have a way to classify this. We know that these systemic conditions can impact the periodontium by influencing inflammation. Thinking about the periodontal manifestations, in addition to systemic diseases and acquired conditions that our patients have, we have three different areas of periodontal manifestations that are also contributing factors. So three different categories to really help you nail down where your patient is on the path 
to periodontal disease. There are mucogingival deformities, and these include things like soft tissue recession, excessive gingiva, decreased vestibular death. Remember when we're doing our intra-extra oral exam, we're looking at those frenums, we're looking at those attachments, and we're looking for a lack of attached gingiva when we're doing our gingival assessment. Another periodontal manifestation is traumatic occlusal forces. We're looking for primary occlusal trauma, secondary occlusal trauma, and orthodontic factors and forces that contribute to the manifestation of periodontal infection. Then we're also looking at prosthetics and teeth. So there's localized tooth-related forces, and then there's dental prosthetics like partials and fixed bridges that contribute to periodontal manifestations of disease. What's even better with this new classification system is that we have an entire category for peri-implant disease. And the peri-implant disease category, this is specifically for just periodontal implants. There are four categories of peri-implant diseases and conditions. So if you have a patient who presents with an implant, you want to take a watchful eye and articulate exactly what's going on with that specific implant. So we know that the goal is health, and that's the first category for peri-implant. Number two is mucositis. And you could relate this to gingivitis for implants. So if you have a gingivitis area around an implant, that has its own manifestation and category. So that's your mucositis. And there are rapid changes that can happen around implants when you see gingivitis around an implant if you don't do treatment early. The third category is periimplantitis, and this is when we have periodontal disease around the implant. And then the fourth category is periimplant soft and hard tissue deficiencies. So based on what the radiographs show, if there's vertical bone loss evident along with bleeding evidence of disease, this is your fourth category. And those are specifically related to periodontal implants. Now, keep in mind that an implant has less attachment, so disease progression is more rapid. There's not as many of those gingival fibers and periodontal fibers that help protect the actual structure around. We have determined that our patient has periodontal disease. Immediately, you want to be thinking, okay, what are the things that connect the dots here? I've looked at the radiographs, there's bone loss. We're going to look for the worst area. So you're looking at the whole full mouth series, and you see bone loss, and even if it's just in one area, you have a patient with periodontal disease. And you want to be really careful and mindful when you are staging your patient. Once you've staged your patient, they don't actually improve on their staging. Four stages, one, two, three, and four. And I think the hardest one to stage is stage one, because stage one is just that next step from gingivitis. They've had gingivitis, they've had gingivitis, they've had gingivitis, and now they've crossed over the threshold, and now your patient has stage one periodontal disease. So what does that look like? Their clinical attachment loss at the worst site is one to two millimeters. When you're looking at the radiographs, there's less than 15% radiographic bone loss, which is not a lot. So you can see how sometimes this can get past you, and you might diagnose that patient with gingivitis. So stage one is the really hardest one to diagnose correctly. There's no tooth loss due to periodontal disease in stage one. And the max probe depths are less than or equal to four millimeters. 
Mostly on the radiographs, when you are looking across the dentition, it's horizontal bone loss. This is your stage one classification of periodontal disease. And we treat these patients with phase one therapy, non-surgical periodontal therapy. These are our periodontal patients in a general practice. Treating early is the most effective. We know this, just like with any other disease. We want to get the periodontal disease under control and put it into remission. Stage two, next level, the clinical attachment loss is three to four millimeters and the radiographic bone loss in the deepest area, the worst area, has 15 to 33% bone loss. Remember, you're starting at the CEJ and you're looking for that bone loss. So you're doing that measurement based on what you see on the radiographs in the worst area of the entire mouth. And I think most of our perio patients in a general practice fall into a stage two category. There's no teeth that have been lost due to periodontal disease, and the max probe depth is less than or equal to five millimeters. Again, these patients still mostly have horizontal bone loss. These are your two stage patients that are seen in general practice and both start with phase one periodontal therapy and then fall into a periodontal maintenance system after they've gone through phase one therapy if things have healed. And most likely you're going to get good response with most of your patients that fall into this category. And we'll talk about grading in a little bit so that you know how to classify that. Your stage three patient has clinical attachment loss of greater than or equal to five millimeters. When you are looking at the radiographic bone loss, it extends to the middle third of the tooth. The patient has lost four teeth due to periodontal disease. In addition, there may be six millimeter pocket depths, areas of vertical bone loss, greater than or equal to three millimeters, furcation involvements, we're talking about class two or class three, and you may see moderate ridge defects. This is your stage three patient. This is how you classify the severity, complexity, and extent of this patient. In a stage four periodontal patient, the clinical attachment loss is greater than or equal to five millimeters. When you're looking at the radiographs, the radiographic bone loss extends to the middle third of the teeth, and the patient has indicated that they have lost at least five teeth due to periodontal disease. In addition, there are chewing dysfunctions, there's tooth mobility, there's bite collapse, there's drifting, there's flaring. When you are staging your patient, there are things that you want to think about and add as descriptors so that you can be more definitive. Think about localized, which is less than 30% of the teeth being involved, and generalized. And you want to also consider the molar and incisor pattern of bone loss. Take a look at the entire dentition. Now, your stage three and stage four patients, you can put them through phase one therapy, but keep in mind that those are your surgical patients. Those are your patients that after phase one therapy, you are most likely referring to a specialist for further evaluation. Now, grading a patient is my favorite part because I feel like this is the part that was absent in the last classification system. And maybe I like grading because I'm a teacher. I don't know, but I really love this part of the new classification system. So when we are grading a patient, it's completely separate to when we're staging a patient. The staging never changes. 
once a patient is a stage two, they'll never become a stage one again. The stage two indicates their level of bone loss and all the other factors, their radiographic bone loss, their clinical attachment, their pocket depths. They are never going back to a stage one. This is why it's really important for you to stage them appropriately. The grade is what can change. And just like other things in life, as you change and your life circumstances change, some things change. So grading looks at the progression and it uses direct evidence to put patients in a certain category. We're looking at phenotypes, right? We're looking at a much bigger picture, heavy biofilm with no destruction, right? Those are your grade A patients. Those are your slow rate of disease progression patients. They haven't had any bone loss in five years. They're a non-smoker. They don't have any systemic conditions like diabetes. There's a little math equation that you have to do, which is fairly straightforward. You take the percentage of bone loss and you divide it by the age. That number has to be less than or equal to 0.25. These are your patients who've gone through periodontal therapy, phase one periodontal therapy, and when they show up, everything is stable. The tissue looks good. Their biofilm control looks good. They're healthy. They're keeping everything at home. They're keeping everything slow rate of progression. They're keeping their periodontal disease in remission. These are your grade A patients. Your grade B patients, which is where everyone comes in. When you first look at your periodontal patients, grade them as a B. And then if you're pleasantly surprised with how things look, they might move up to the A category after you've done your assessment. Start them as a B. And then if they look worse than what you anticipated they would look or you expected that they would look, then most likely they're going to go down to the grade C. But there's other factors that are contributing to this. So in a grade B, right, this is a moderate rate of disease progression. The patient's destruction aligns with the amount of biofilm that you see. There's less than two millimeters of bone loss that you've seen over the last five years. Maybe the patient is a smoker, but they smoke less than 10 cigarettes a day, or maybe they're diabetic, but their A1C level is less than 7%. You also want to look at that percentage of bone loss divided by their age, and it has to fall into 0.25 to 1.0. So this is where everyone comes into the grading system. Everyone comes in as a B, which is moderate progression, and they either move up to an A or down to a C. So what does your grade C patient look like? They have greater than two millimeters of bone loss in the last five years. So there's definitely some disease progression occurring. Their A1C level, they're diabetic and their A1C level is greater than 7%. So we know that's a contributing factor to increasing the rate of periodontal disease. Or they are a smoker that smokes more than 10 cigarettes a day. Now, if your patient is a smoker or a diabetic, they are automatically in a grade B. And then depending on the level and severity of those two issues, they become a grade C. So starting off with grade B and move your patient based on the evidence. So when your destruction of the periodontium exceeds your expectations based on the biofilm presentation, they're probably going to be a grade C. I hope this helps at introducing you to AAP classifications. And I know that the more cases you work with and the more patients you see that help you navigate through this and help you stage and grade each one of these patients, it will make so much more sense to you. I think you'll really love this classification system once it makes sense. 
I would invite you to send me any questions that you need answered. Questions come up when you listen to this podcast. I have a link in the show notes and I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Also, I would appreciate a review if you have time to leave one. Thank you so much.